0: Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, and my hat is older than some of the founders we're going to talk about today. I am joined, as always, by Will Schroeder, my friend, the founder and CEO, and resident grandpa of startups.com. Uh-huh. (laughs) Today, we're going to dig into the phenomenon of the 20-something founder, right? And where this came from and how much this has changed over time, how much we've seen. And I was going to say our short lives, but compared to a 20-something founder, in our long lives, all that we've seen change over time. It's
1: been unbelievable. This is, I don't know why, but this has been coming up more and more. You know, I mentioned on previous podcasts that I teach uh, middle school entrepreneurship. And so this is for my kids' school. It's fifth through eighth grade. And as I'm talking to them about the things that they can do now, how quickly they can start a company or how yes. quickly they can test ideas, et cetera, in the back of my mind, I can't help but think, man, this was so much harder. Not even when I was your age, like at <laughs> literally any yep. time previous to that, and how it's so hard for people to appreciate how far we've come. But what I think we should talk about today isn't just you know all the things that are available to us, but the fact that a 20 something year old founder slash CEO even exists. That's an anomaly. That is a recent phenomenon over the last few decades. Most people aren't old enough, like you said, to even know that was the case. You and I grew up at the absolute beginning of that era in a way that changed everything. So we were around long enough to understand what it was like to be a 20-something-year-old founder CEO at a time where they didn't exist and frankly, weren't really being given high fives everywhere you go
0: how do you remember Like, when you look back, let's just set the, the stage. <laughs> look, We've got so many funny anecdotes from that period of just like walking into rooms and people having no idea why we were there, right? Like, you know, they set up a meeting to talk business and then a child showed up, right, in their mind because everyone else in the room had white hair, right? Or no hair, right? And I come stumbling in in my ill-fitting suit and my poorly tied tie and my briefcase because I thought <laughs> that's what business looked like, right? Like, there, I mean, dude, so just think about that for a minute, right? Like I'm now wearing the startup founder uniform, right? I got my hoodie and my hat on. Picture right. yourself walking into any of those early meetings, right? Dawn of the internet where we're going to go explain to people what the hell the internet was and then get them to give us lots of money to build some of the internet for them wearing this, right? I would have probably been escorted out by security before I made it Yeah, you've got nowhere. Nowhere, right? We also invented the
1: hoodie, right? So yeah. <laughs> Okay, so l- let me give this give this context. In the mid 90s, walking into a meeting as a call it like 20 year old CEO, number one was unheard of. And if you're not sure of how to process that, here's a good way to think about it. Imagine right now that AI is being ushered in, but all of the people at the forefront of AI are 11 years old.
0: I mean, that's not far off. <laughs>
1: right, right, right. Well, that's <laughs> my point though, right? But but I, I wanna give people context. 11 year old walks in, with a suit. And they're like, you know, great to meet all of you guys. Your first reaction, of course, is adorable. How right. adorable. Oh, look, at you, look at you in your little suit. Yep. Look at you in your yep. little suit. Right. And they're there to have a serious business meeting. You're there
0: to wait for their parents to show up. I had people make that joke when they were asked, like, is the meeting was going to run over? They're like, is it okay if we run over a little bit or is mom in the parking lot? Not even kidding. <laughs> that was said to me. And like, okay, I get it, right? It was something strange for them. But at the same time, like, I wasn't truly a child, like, neither in age nor in, in, in what I was trying to accomplish, right? So, God, it was so hard back then. You were fighting so many, so many uphill battles, right? You know, that whole thing about our parents telling us they had to walk uphill to school both ways. I get it. We walked up both sides of the internet, right? It was uphill all the way there and back.
1: (laughs) What was interesting. So I'll give you an example. The first pitch I ever did, like big business pitch for the agency was with AAA, the uh, automotive insurance or automotive club, whatever it is. And I had no idea what a business pitch was because I'd never been in one. And so I didn't own a suit. this is so funny. This kind of going back in the day. It's like circa 94, 95. I didn't own a suit. So I go to Goodwill and I have no money. I have like $20 to my name. I go to Goodwill and I buy an $8 suit from the 70s. It was like a tweed three-piece suit that fit horribly. And the best part is I remember it was the dead of August and it had to be 100 degrees outside, right? I might as well show up in a parka. So I show up in my $8 (laughs) suit. to a whole bunch of people at at AAA that were like their senior leadership. I mean, they were so old. They looked like the Jedi Council with the funniest bit being they're probably the same age you and I are now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh boy. But anyway, so, so they roll me in And everyone looks at me like incredulously because they actually... They didn't understand why I was there. In other words, they were waiting for the CEO to show up. And I showed up and like looking pensively, they're like, okay, what's going on here? And I'm like, guys, great to meet you. I'm Will Schroeder. I'm the founder, CEO of Blue Diesel. And they're like, wait, what? And I mean, they were shocked. And you've got to understand, this is the first time, because of this era, anyone had ever, ever, ever seen someone say the words, I'm the CEO... And I'm not 50 years old. Right. It's just... Didn't exist. Yep, exactly. Now someone's gonna say, oh, bullshit, that existed. There was uh, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates. Yes, and they were total anomalies. Right.
0: Like Unheard of, no one ran into them on a regular basis. No, we know about them in hindsight. We know about them historically. But even if you had asked any of those people sitting in that room with you at that point, they would not have heard of him in all likelihood. And he certainly wasn't walking into their office, right? No, absolutely not. It wasn't part of their day lives, which is why this was so unusual. So I get up there
1: and I start giving a presentation. Back then, you can remember this: we didn't present what we could do for you on the internet; we presented what <laughs> is the internet. The whole yep. presentation yep. was me explaining literally DARPA Net from the '60s, like like yes. what a web page was. I mean, this was new news to everybody. Yeah. Anyway, I drone on for forty-five minutes with no breaks whatsoever, well, partially because I'm terrified. And partially because just people are sitting there dumbfounded the entire yeah, time. They don't have any questions, right? There's nothing for them to contribute <laughs> no at idea. that point. Just like so, so meeting comes to a conclusion. And finally, I'm like, are there any questions? And I'll never forget their CMO. He looks around the room, kind of scans the room, stops, clears his throat, looks at me, and he said, son... And you always want to be addressed as son because nothing's more more of a high five, right? Son, do you know we have letterhead older than you? And the fact that he (laughs) wrote letterhead (laughs) kind of says it all. And, 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 And I knew it was a rhetorical question, but I didn't even know how to answer it, right? And that was the only question they asked, right? They ended up becoming our first big client, but that was the only question they asked. During that time, and you mentioned this, when we would go into meetings, we would get straight up heckled. Oh yeah for at
0: least 15 minutes. I was called slugger, chief, ace, right? kimosabi, like whatever. Like they were just like anything like they could think of that was a pejorative. They're like, let's just call him that, right? See how he reacts. It was humiliating yeah, it every was, single time absolutely. because
1: I'm just there trying to run a business, and they're like, Oh, look how adorable you look in your little suit. And I'm like,
0: dude, I'm a grown man, sort right. of. Kind <laughs> of, yeah, kind of right. <laughs> Macklemore will make this cool in like 25 ish yeah. years, right? I'm just popping tags here. It was
1: not awesome. And there was a time when it wasn't cool to start a startup. It wasn't cool to be a founder. Like no one had ever heard of it. And every meeting you walked into, you looked ridiculous. And and it took a long time for that to come around, which is so
0: funny because that's so foreign to people now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. No, it's it's very much more a meritocracy at this point, right? If you can show your traction, you can show that what you've done, that earns you a spot at the table. You know, back then again, like the traction we were trying to create was for them to have some semblance of what the hell we were talking about, right? That was traction, right? Like we walk out of there and maybe you have some idea what the internet is, right? And maybe you want to work with us. I, one of the questions I used to get was like, so is this going to stick around? Is this going to, you know, is this going to be a thing? Like they were like, is this, you know, is this a blip <laughs> or a trend, right? What, what yeah. are we, what what are we right. looking at here? Is it a fair question. Yeah, it was. It was. At that point, it wasn't certain what was going to happen. Right? And then we had the dot-com bomb shortly after, and that raised a lot of new doubts. Yeah, but the internet actually became what we all said it was going to become,
1: and then some. It's one of the few predictions that everyone undershot, no matter how much they overshot it at the time. And again, we're we're making those same predictions right now around AI. There's probably some truth to that, but we'll see. But I think what was interesting too is, sure, there's the novelty of you you and I walking into a room and essentially getting heckled just because of our age, because 20-something founders didn't exist yet. But the second part was, it gave us a platform to actually, say something smart. Yeah. And it gave us an opportunity to say, "What if? What if that 19-year-old kid actually does know what he's talking about?" Because prior to that, there was never an opportunity for that. It, it wasn't like you could go into a traditional business meeting in corporate America back then, 19 years old, still in college, and raise your hand and say, "Hey, I've got an idea for how to change the whole company." Yeah. And have first off, even be in the room where you could say that. Right. Second off, being given any credence whatsoever. There was such a seniority complex in how companies ran. And everyone was pretty okay with it. If you're the oldest person, you were generally the smartest, the wisest, the most in control. The youngest person was there to serve coffee. And that power dynamic existed for pretty much ever. You didn't get to jump the line. Maybe you were a hardworking young executive that got to get promoted early, but you always went through all those different steps. Now, all of a sudden, Ryan, you and I show up and we're like, oh, yeah, day one, I'm CEO. That's how I'm starting. That didn't exist before. Not like it does now. Not like it does now.
0: No, no. Michael J. Fox via Alex P. Keaton tried to kick that door open for us, but it took, it took a couple more decades before that really landed. So. I agree. I agree. Now, think about how, how little was
1: available to us at the time. I'm, I'm talking like starting at less than zero from what we have today. Think of how long it took you to figure out that you even needed to incorporate your company,
0: much less how the hell to do it. Do you remember what that process was like? I do vaguely. I mean, it was a combination of reading books, books from a library, library. right? From a library read on books because I realized that I I was not taking advantage of this thing that I'd heard called a tax shelter because I had started making too much money at 14 that I needed a tax shelter, So that worked out. It was a good problem to have, but it was really hard to solve, right? And then involved going and talking to some stuffed suit lawyers who did help me get there, again, like after making all the jokes, So yeah, it was it was an incredibly difficult process because the availability of the information wasn't there. There was no you know we take for granted like the social proof that we get around things now, which is like this very open dialogue where you can go and see, you can jump into a Reddit thread, you can just look at comments on a book, you can see all of this other feedback. So you just had to take whatever information was available and look. Depending on where you were sitting in the country, there may not have been a whole lot available. There was one book on incorporation in our local library, and so I. Had no way of knowing whether I was even getting good advice, outdated advice. I don't think I looked at the jacket to find out. I Me, mean, like now you look at a blog article and it's like, oh, this is from 2022, right? <laughs> you start <laughs> to wonder how relevant that is, right? That The jacket on that book was probably, you know, like 1968 or something at that point. So like how, yeah, but there was no way of verifying this stuff, right? So you just had to kind of take what you had available and run with it. Let's talk about all the things that we have now, which again, this,
1: these are all the building blocks for why Ooh. we can even be a 20-something-year-old founder. So for example, if we want to start a company, first off, we can Google it. Yep. Second off, people actually understand what that means. When our daughters come to us and say, hey, dad, we want to start a company, like we know what it means, they know what it means, it's, it's lexicon. When I teach my middle school class, entrepreneurship, 90% of what I tell them, they already know like they already understand all the fundamentals, whereas, and they're 11,
0: right? I mean, they're so young. Think about that, think about yourself at 11. And again, like this has nothing to do with, you know, who we were, how smart we were, where we grew up, anything. It just wasn't part of the zeitgeist, right? Nobody was talking about this stuff.
1: Yeah, it was unheard of. There was no Shark Tank, you know, whether or not you like Shark Tank, and people generally do, it has created a lexicon amongst an entire generation of people, all ages really, right? To understand that here's how ideas work. Now, Shark Tank is totally unreal. None of that actually happens in business, but it still helps give people kind of the fundamentals. With that said, every single step of the way in trying to start a company for a a potential 20-something was damn near impossible and inaccessible. For example, like we said, you wanna start a company. I'm 19 years old, I'm a college student. I go to my guidance counselor and I'm super pumped. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> I cannot wait to drop out of college. That's why I'm here to kind of get that process rolling. And she's terrified. She's like, oh my God, what happened? I've got a huge smile on my face. She has no idea why. And I'm like, I'm going to go start an internet company. Only question, what's the internet? What's the like, internet? Yep. I mean, starting a company, we haven't even got that far. She didn't know what the hell the internet was. And nobody did, which is why I was able to start a company. But my point is, even just the fundamental encouragement that you would get, the understanding, like you and I are talking about, that someone would actually understand what being a founder was generally did not exist. You had small business owners. That's all you had. Oh, you're opening a subway? Oh, it, I kind of get that. Yep, I get that. But you're starting a software company or you're just going to start something that doesn't make money yet? Totally foreign to people. Unheard of. Venture capital? Unheard of. Like This was, this was all new. And every single thing you were going to have to do thereafter, was 100X harder than it is now. Incorporating company. I can incorporate a company while I'm on this podcast, right? It's that simple. You and I had to go to a law firm and they had to spend months drafting documents off of templates and making all these decisions, racking up these bills, et cetera, for something so basic
0: as an incorporation document. Then they had to mail things with signatures on them and checks enclosed to like, I, I had to mail a yep. check... And a bunch of documentation to the state of Delaware, to the business registration office, right? did a a Delaware corporation. And like, that's what it was, right? You're talking about like, these things are just unimaginable now, right? I can't just push a button, give them my information. You know, remember waiting for your federal identification number, right? For the employer identification number to come back? It was like months before I got that, right? (laughs) Literally months
1: it took. The pace of everything and those months cost you real money. Right? Because you're not you're not getting things
0: done. Well, also when you're 19, like that's a meaningful percentage of your life. Yeah, and your income. (laughs) That check that you sent, right? Yes. Oh god, yeah. All the money I had. The
1: formative stuff, super extra hard. And then stuff you wouldn't think about, like, hey how do I start a business? Literally, what does it even mean? Like that you'd even know that you would need to incorporate a company or whatever. Who would you have talked to, right? I went to Barnes and Noble and I bought a book basically called How to Start a Small Business. The title says it all. Like written in the 80s, the most, like first write a 50 page business plan and take it to your banker. And like, it was so far from what I needed to do.
0: And that was my only option. I guarantee it referenced your yellow page listing, right? It's these kind of things.
1: Everything, like all of the fundamentals of what it means to build a startup that's kind of different than a small business didn't exist yet. They actually just didn't exist. It wasn't that they exist and you couldn't find
0: them. We hadn't invented them yet. Yeah, the, the technologies that created those separations were not yet available. They just didn't exist. Correct. Correct. Like I said, you couldn't even Google it. <laughs> that's Google didn't exist yet. It wouldn't exist. You could dogpile it, years. but that wouldn't give you anything back. Right? That would have been useless. Right.
1: <laughs> and so. What you also didn't have is you didn't have all of the things that that are literally built for startups. You didn't have startups.com, an entire platform dedicated to telling you how to do every single thing you could possibly think of, or traditional incubators that exist out there, or the entire ecosystem of investors. No one had invested yet to make money yet. So there weren't any new investors because... (laughs) Nobody had created the companies they would invest in yet. You have to have companies to invest in to make money to create this cycle that keeps refilling itself. Didn't exist yet. So when you went out to go raise money or you needed money, you went to a bank. (laughs) Now again.
0: (laughs) You you want to talk about like people who are even less receptive to seeing us show up than those people in the meetings? Your banker was just enthused that he was about to waste 15 minutes talking to a child, right? Like just absolutely treachery
1: you know something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you which means the answer already exists you may just not know it but that's okay that's kind of what we're here to do we talk about this stuff on the show but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com so if any of this sounds familiar stop guessing about what to do. Let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it. Now imagine this, in most of the ways that you're going to make money right now hadn't been invented yet. Oh, you're gonna do e-commerce? Didn't exist, right? Oh, you're gonna promote on social? Didn't exist, right? Oh, you're gonna run ads on Google? Didn't exist, right? Like so many things that are just the fundamentals that are the basics of how we do things. And I say this not just to show the era of time and evolution, although I think that's important. I also say that to say all of these things not existing made it damn near impossible to be a 20-something-year-old founder. Why? You had no knowledge yet. You had no access to knowledge and you had no money, right? So none of those things bode well for how
0: shitty the infrastructure was in that era. And how different, how far we've come with that, right? As I start to think back, like, I'm sure you're the same. Like, I have forgotten so many of these things. It's like, think about life before cell phone, right? Imagine business before cell phone, not even smartphone, just an ability to be somewhere other than your desk or your home and talk to someone who's not physically present, right? Like, that was a newfound luxury for us. I remember that I got a call from my banker, and this is a couple of years in all excited, we now had something called a business debit card, right? (laughs) Literally prior to that, it was cash and checks. This is, and, and this isn't like ancient history, right? And of course, credit cards existed, but they weren't as widely distributed nor accepted, right? These were things that we were dealing with. And so like, it's almost unimaginable to think about like all of those barriers that existed and yet it was still happening, right? It was still happening. Well, there's interesting, like you also just didn't even know who else was in your
1: world. For example, in 1997, I'll never forget, an article comes out in a local trade publication called Business First, which is actually in a lot of major metros in the US, and they cover just small business stuff. And they did a highlight of 10 tech companies in Columbus, Ohio. Do you know I'd never heard of any of them? Because why would you? Unless they somehow got covered in a local newspaper, which you bought, which I did not. Like I wasn't you know, regular reading the newspaper. I think someone handed me the article, like, hey, did you know there's other technology companies here? And I remember reading this going, wait, hold on. That person's doing that and that person, wait, what? So I did this weird thing, which would, is so funny because it became the genesis of everything we do now. I was like, I have to meet these people because I feel very alone. I got on the phone, called the offices of all these people. I would call 411 information. I would say, can you give me the business office of whatever company? I would call the front desk if they had one and I would get a hold of the founder. And I said, same thing. I said, look, I don't know you, you don't know me, but we both seem to be doing technology companies. Would you be open to coming over for a beer and just talking shop? Every single one of them did.
0: Yeah, did their parents buy the beer? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, funny note, I don't know if you knew this, but one of those people early on was Elliot's dad. That's, ah, that's actually right. how I met Elliot. That's yeah. right,
0: that's right, that's right. I had totally forgotten that part of the, of the history. Yeah, I, you know, I took a really early stab at that by convincing my school, my high school, my high school, to allow me to create an entrepreneurship club, which they begrudgingly allowed me to do. And then I sat at a table by myself in the same corner of a small room that the chess club, also some of the other cooler kids in school, would hang out in. And uh, it got three months later, after hanging out by myself, literally day after day after day, I called it quits. Um, <laughs> and I joined the chess club. That's such a so, time. Was, yeah, I know. Right? Was, nobody else time? cared. Nobody cared. And so, you know, what's interesting to me about that
1: is that there is a point where all those people show up at my house for a beer and none of them had ever met another founder either. We're all like, wait, you you don't have any money either. Like, you know, you're struggling. Like you're getting treated like an idiot in all your meetings too. It was was such an amazing moment. I'll never forget that night because every single one of us are comparing notes and slowly kind of coming out of our shell because back then it wasn't cool to be vulnerable and slowly coming out of our shell a little bit from like our, you know, it's chest pounding default status to be like, oh, uh, yeah, I'm kind of screwed too. Is this like a thing now? And then watch it go around the room like a virus and everyone was like, yeah, I'm so... like, How did you guys figure out how to do any of this stuff? And it continues to perpetuate. And I'm like, that was pretty telling. Do you guys want to get together like in another month or so and you bring a friend and see if they're having the same problem? And within a few years, we became a party essentially at that point, but we had like 200 people showing up at these things who were all in the same boat. It was pretty amazing to see, but demonstrative Of how far back that was. Now, all of those things, all of these inventions or groups that we put together, you know, all these things make it possible to be a 20 something founder. You know, the fact that we can get people together now, like we do at startups.com, and we put people in founder groups and they're 23 years old and they can talk to people younger, older, et cetera, and have them fill in all the blanks, like the phrase we always use give them the answers to the test invaluable, invaluable didn't, it didn't exist before,
0: which made it very hard, very hard to be a 20 something year old founder. No, I mean, it was an entire dearth. Like there was, there was absolutely no resource, right? There were no other people to talk to at your point there. There was no internet to go and read. Even once the internet did begin, it's not like people just started publishing content about that immediately, right? There was nothing about it, right? There were just nowhere to go, no one to talk to, or, you know, this was the other side of that, which was, there were people to talk to. But the advice that they gave (laughs) was so often entirely irrelevant, well-intended, but like they just so off base for what you needed. I think I've probably shared this anecdote before, but I remember, and you know, look, we weren't, this wasn't the full stone ages. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't uh, using an abacus to keep my books, but I reached out to a lovely organization that has helped a lot of people called SCORE, the Service Corps of Retired Executives. And I remember, you know, I I already had QuickBooks uh, at that point, or yeah, I think it was QuickBooks. Might have been Peachtree or something that preceded it, but I had a piece of technology that ran on a very old computer that I could use to do electronic bookkeeping. And I remember, you know, setting up this meeting with a retired CPA. And, you know, he was telling me which of the paper journals to go pick up so that we could do my ledgers. Uh, you know, right. it's, it's it right. was in this aisle right. of this bookstore, right? And make sure you get the one that's got, you know, the carbon copies. And I'm going, oh my God, no, this is, this cannot be happening. At the end, like the knowledge was good in terms of like, here's how to set up your chart of accounts or here are all the things you need. uh, Don't make it overcomplicate all that. Like that stuff was good, but like we were years, I mean, literally decades apart in terms of like the the usage of the current technologies. Right. So it was really tough because you always kind of had to right size advice and make it more applicable to what you're doing in, in that moment. Right. It was just always felt like everybody was lagging behind. Yeah, when you have no other frame of reference. I remember w- w- the first time we met a silver-haired mentor.
1: And I'll never forget this guy. He actually helped us out tremendously in ways that he didn't intend. He would dispatch a tremendous amount of what would essentially become bad advice. <laughs> uh, but he didn't know it. He, he right. uh, It wasn't his fault. In his context, it was good advice. For what we were doing, it was bad advice. Yep. But we took it as gospel because he had gray hair. And we did and back then, if you had great hair, you were Yoda, right? Like you you were the smartest person alive. What people forget too is back then, like I started to discover like Fortune and Forbes and like kind of those business magazines. I bet if I go through the the covers back then, you basically had the same carbon copy of the same silver-haired old white man on every single one of those magazines, right? In but that became kind of like people's vision of who the smartest or most accomplished or most right people were. Oh, yeah. Then sure. in 1996, 1997. What I think is maybe one of the most fundamentally life-changing covers for startups was Mark Andreessen, again, the founder of Netscape, obviously the founder of Andreessen Horowitz, the venture firm. Mark Andreessen, I'll never forget this, as a like, doughy-faced kid with a lot of hair before he coneheaded it, sitting on a throne on the cover of Time magazine talking about how Netscape's IPO had been one of the biggest IPOs in history and how he was like the dawn of a new age. And Mark Andreessen became the poster child for a 20-something changing the world, you know, getting taken seriously, although in every single case, even that Time Magazine photo was always a tongue-in-cheek. You would have somebody back in the day like, boy, I'm I'm trying to go, oh man, Jack Welch, right? A fixture on every one of those magazines, silver hair, bald, whatever. And that was like the guy. And they take him very seriously, and he's a business suit and Jack Welch is changing G kind of thing, right? But as soon as you see Mark Andreessen, it's basically making fun of him. He's on a
0: throne, he looks silly, right? And he's a child. Well, even even think about the publication, right? It wasn't Forbes; it was Time, right? We're it, it trying to make a difference. The, yeah. the business world wouldn't even acknowledge that that had just happened.
1: You bet, and so soon thereafter, you had guys like uh, Jerry Yang and David Filo, the co-founders of Yahoo. Yahoo was a Yahoo was Google before Google. Yeah, it was a joggernaut in that day. A huge deal. And I remember like they do a big uh, expose, how they built these huge offices. I think it was in Sunnyvale back then. And they had a, a slide that, that rotated around and went from yeah. floor two to floor one.
0: <laughs> and that was like- That That didn't help sell the fact that we're not children building companies, guys. <laughs> it did not help.
1: It didn't, but but you had this interesting thing where all of a sudden that became part of the zeitgeist. It became part of, oh wait, we have a 20 something year old billionaire? That's unheard of, right? Right. That's unheard of. And again, when I say unheard of, again, I don't wanna hear people say, oh, well you had Steve Jobs or something like that. Dude, You know that now, you did not know that then. Maybe, right? You didn't have more than one and they weren't getting minted every year. It's not the way it was working, right? This changed everything. When people saw what essentially was a millionaire, someday billionaire that was 20 something years old on the cover of Time, they're like, oh my God, that's incredible, like what a one-off story. And then they saw it again, and they saw it again, and again, and again. It was eBay, it was Yahoo, it was all these things. And all of a sudden, people started taking that world seriously. People started losing money if they weren't getting behind 20-something-year-old founders. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. I mean, do you remember a point, point like and this is for not just you personally, but
0: as you were going through this era, where you started to realize that, hey, people are going to start taking me seriously? Yeah, I mean, there were there were definitely points where that started to happen. And I think that it was as we got past that initial hurdle of what's the internet, like once people had begun to accept that. So I think it was probably like circa 2003, four, that's where things became significantly easier. And it was no longer having to sell the story and it became about what we'd already, and, but by that point, we already had some stuff behind us to show too. So it wasn't that people just accepted it they couldn't question it because we had demonstrable work, right? Here's what I've already built. Here's what I've already done. Here's how it's worked out. Here's somebody with silver hair that looks a lot like you who will tell you that I'm awesome. Right. It took that building. It took, it took a moat, right? We had to build the moat around it. Yeah. I would say that was around that time. And in my case, it was less about kind of the pop culture stuff that was happening. I think that invigorated the entire space and it gave me more people to talk to who were peers, but it's still like to your point, like they put him in a crown sitting on a throne out of jest, right? He, he was just as the jester, it, right? That was that right. was the reality. So those things weren't really going a long way to reinforce the idea that we actually had something as an entire group, not as a one-off, but as an entire group to contribute to this space, and that we were something meaningful that not necessarily need to be reckoned with, but that should be acknowledged and should be adopted into the business world. But yeah, it took some time. Didn't help that both of us had baby faces back then. We look at like about 12, even when we are 25. I feel like um, part of what's interesting here is that
1: we have the benefit of standing on the shoulders of giants right now. And it's something you and I have lived through it, so we can appreciate it. But even if we were to kind of fast forward through the eras, we've been talking a lot about the 90s. You know, in the 2000s, you had two seminal moments and leaders that really changed the game. You had Google, you know, uh, Larry Page and Sergey Brin back in the early, early 2000s, where all of a sudden Google started to take off and they started to do things very differently. But more importantly, they were children, once again, building something incredibly big. Uh, Around the same time, a little bit later, you then have Mark Zuckerberg, who's, you know, a lot more people are familiar with. It's it's ironic because I think he's close to 40 now. So, like, if you're 21 years old, Mark Zuckerberg seems like an old person. But to the rest of us, he was forever the hoodie kid, right, from Harvard. And what was interesting about what Zuckerberg did, early in the Facebook era, like, again, he was the epitome of a 20 something year old CEO. He would walk around in his hoodie that he was known for, and the hoodies weren't kind of a thing yet, they were just starting to become a thing. If you remember, he never wore shoes, he only wore sandals, like everywhere he went. I remember this picture of um, him in his early, early days, at some conference, and he's talking to Rupert Murdoch, Right. You know, the kind of the, the, the oldest of about even, a collision the of
0: two worlds. Oh, my God. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. And he's sitting there in his hoodie and his sandals. Right. And Rupert Murdoch being like, you know, you sniveling, whatever. Right. Wearing his suit and a scowl. Yeah, exactly. Like literally from secession. And so what was interesting to me, though, is in that era, this, these all these building blocks mattered. And then we look back at them retroactively, we start to understand in that era, Yahoo had became, you know, billion dollar juggernaut offered to buy Facebook for $1 billion, which, I mean, is so much money, right? This is really early in the days of Facebook. And Mark Zuckerberg said no. And once again, this called into question, this called into question whether a 20-something-year-old CEO had the knowledge, the experience. Generally speaking, he was panned across the board. Almost like a, you see what happens when we try to put one of these 20-something-year-olds yeah, you guys had that internet thing for a second, but now no, that thing nobody is Nobody was
0: even considering that he had the vision to understand what was going to happen next. That was not on the table at all. It was just a discussion around, he made this horrible decision of of giving up a billion dollars. He would have given up 20s of billions of dollars, 60s of billions, right? It, it was a huge, huge, huge difference. For a second, they kissed a trillion dollars. Yep. no
1: one would have ever given him credit and they didn't i'm gonna be straight up would have ever given him credit to say oh a 20 something year old can go on to build a trillion dollar company except now it's happened so that's what i mean about standing on the shoulders of giants at the time that thing those kinds of things generally didn't happen but once mark zuckerberg pops that bubble once mark zuckerberg shows that it can be done and i'm not a big like mark zuckerberg you know uh, fanboy or anything but It is what it is. The guy actually did it, right? I don't care how you feel about him. He actually made that happen. And now you can't say anymore, oh, 20-something-year-olds can't do it because they all became billionaires. They they pushed a trillion-dollar company. Like, it's actually happened. We get the benefit in, in ways we can't even comprehend of being able to stand on the shoulders of those giants, which makes you wonder, what else can we get to do at the 20-something-year-old era or what other areas, you're right, you know, can we build into? If we've been able to kind of like mint the credibility of the 20-something-year-old founder that's never existed before, you know, you start to wonder where else could we
0: go? You know, what are your thoughts there? Well, look, there's still plenty of, you know, in the sense that 20-somethings were marginalized in a lot of ways, 30 years ago, there were still plenty of advantages. And if you know if we're honest and we look back at those that time in history, still a pretty clear archetype coming through there, which was that it was 20 something white males, right? Like it was still a pretty narrow band of humanity, right? And so I think that the the excitement now is that you know there's plenty of other still marginalized populations that, that now have a pathway to this type of victory, right? And we're already seeing it. We're not seeing it at the scale we'd like, but you know, you and I don't think we'll ever be satisfied with the scale of entrepreneurship, right? We just always want it to be more and faster and bigger and make it, make it easier for people you know it's your point of, of standing on the shoulders of giants there's another beautiful aspect of all that which is that there are now people who can reach back down you know the, the whole concept of sending the elevator back down and then filling it with great stuff right really being helpful right there were people that wanted to help you and i They just weren't that relevant to what we were doing, right? So now there are people who are relevant and can help out. And so like, this is, you know, a call to all founders, right? Like look and figure out where you can help. How can you reach back? And if you're a founder just getting started, do not be afraid to put that hand out for help. There's plenty of it. It's relevant and it comes in droves if you're open to it, right? Yeah, I agree. And I look at it and go,
1: we now have an entire generation of founders like you and I and many, many more like us who now have been through what it was like to be kind of humiliated or brushed off or not taken seriously. And I know you feel the same way because of what we do at startups.com. But now we get to inspire a whole generation. Like when I'm speaking to my middle schoolers, which I'll do in a couple hours here, when I'm speaking to the middle schoolers and they're like, well, hey, I want to be able to start this idea. I'm like, yes, you absolutely can right? Because when I opened up the class, I was like, who's the oldest person here? And I think the oldest person was a girl that was 14. I was like, five years from now, I was the CEO of a company. And like, you know, it's hard for her to like see it. And then I'm like, in (laughs) five years, you're the CEO of a company or less. Or in five minutes. Yeah, depending on how you play Yeah, Exactly. Right. And so my point is now we have a whole generation of leaders, guys like us, who can go out and help and encourage and inspire all of these younger folks to actually do it with themselves. And more importantly, give them the actual tools. You know, Today in our class, I'm going to explain to them how to set up a competitive matrix so they can understand who they're competing with or how to think about competition. Just because someone's doing something similar doesn't mean you can't do it better, things like that. And that's going to inspire them to do more. So I think if we zoom out a little bit, you and I definitely agree that while the dawn of the 20-something-year-old CEO and founders is amazing. I think what it's really done is it's set up this giant snowball in motion to enable all kinds of people. I think it started with a 20-something-year-old CEO, and that's great. But I think what we're seeing is every year that goes by now, with everything getting easier to use and more accessible and showing more people that it can be done, the big question is how many people have we still yet to help? And the answer is it's a ton, and that's exactly where we're going to put our time. So in addition to all the stuff related to founder groups, you've also got full access to everything on startups.com. That includes all of our education tracks, which will be funding, customer acquisition, even how to manage your monthly finances. There's so much stuff in there. All of our software, including BizPlan for putting together detailed business plans and financials, LaunchRock for attracting early customers, and of course Fundable for attracting investment capital. When you log into the startups.com site, you'll find all of these resources available.